and you get the closing number, which kind of summarizes what you've learned. Um, it's kind of, um, we go together in Greece, or we're all in this together from high school musicals, that kind of fun. So keep your Bibles open. We're going to look into these lyrics, and you've got an outline there, just three simple points. Um, and first of all, we're going to look at what a good song it is to sing, what a good song it is to sing. So when we do stop and have a look around once in a while, it is good to praise God. Uh, and not just with words alone, praising God in song to music is a good thing to do, we're told. Have a look with me, verse 1. It is good to praise the Lord and make music to your name, O Most High, proclaiming your love in the morning and your faithfulness at night to the music of the ten-string lyre and the melody of the harp. So day and night, sing what is so good about God with music. That's the instruction. Uh, love this. There's a bit, little bit of Bible trivia here for you. That word for the ten-string lyre, in the original language, Hebrew, it just says, to the music of the ten. Sounds pretty rock and roll, I reckon. The ten. It's like... Yeah, it's like, it's like calling a guitar an axe, isn't it? It's like you can just imagine it. Let's hear it for Bartholomew on the lute. Here comes Jacob rocking it on the harp tonight and bringing it home on the ten, Joseph. <laughs> or perhaps that's just my imagination. But I just like that. The ten. So why is it good to praise the Lord? Well, for two reasons. In this, in this first point, I'm going to give you two reasons. It's good for us, and it's intrinsically good because it's in tune with reality. It's in harmony with how things really are. So first one, how is singing God's praises good for us? You don't need me to tell you that music is a great gift from God, and it, it engages us in so many ways. Okay, so you're going to have to put in now 30 seconds of my favorite song ever. This is... Uh, <laughs> Val rocking away there, getting into it, don't you? That's a song called Bizarre Love Triangle, but it's not about a Bizarre Love Triangle, but that's called that. That's by Manchester Legends, New Order, yeah? A few places of recognition. Uh, and I could go on for you about that song all day, because the music we love engages us on so many levels, doesn't it? Um, I could talk about that song technically, I could, we could talk about the arrangement, we could talk about its, its groundbreaking use for the time, it is 30, year, 30 years old. It's groundbreaking use of computers um, to make the music. I can tell you that if you play it full blast in a nightclub, it still holds it own, its own as a great dance track. I can tell you that like a lot of New Order's lyrics, they're vague enough to be, but profound enough for most people to be able to relate to them, to, to get something from them. But there's also something you just can't put your finger on about songs, isn't there? about so songs that really mean something to you. They, they grab you. They really uh, involve the depths of who you are, the depths of your emotions. Um, and they give a, a voice to, to, to you that's otherwise 
got no voice. It speaks from the inside of you. The best songs can turn a bad day into a good day. They can help us see clearly. They can spur us on. And this is why it's good to sing God's praises. So we're not just intellectually assenting to the truth about who God is and what he's done. Singing and music bring more of who we are, our head, our hearts, our emotions, our true voices, who you really are, praising God. It helps us give voice to, verse 4, our gladness and joy. And even better still, we get to do that in community, together, which brings it to a whole other level. So it's good for us. Secondly, singing God's praises is intrinsically good. It's good in itself. Um, we have lots of musical metaphors, don't we, f- um, for when we know something is true. So it resonates with us. It's in harmony with what we know. It strikes a chord. It's in tune with the truth. And singing God's praises hits all those notes. There's another one for you. Because it's expressing, it's expressing who God is and what he's done. Who God is and what he's done. So let's have a look what it is we can sing about. Uh, Verse 2 is God's love, God's steadfast, sure, never-ending love. Uh, Also in verse 2, there's God's faithfulness. He always keeps his promises. God's always reliable. God's never changing. God's faithfulness. And verse 4, his deeds, stuff God has done. See, for for God's people, Israel, God's goodness wasn't just a doctrine or or a set of beliefs. God's goodness was their national history. Saved from slavery, sustained in the wilderness, given a, a bountiful land to move into, and saved from their enemies countless occasions. And we could tell our own stories of God's deeds, God's good deeds in our own lives. And verses 4 and 5, uh, another good th- thing to praise God about is the works of God's hand. So kind of sh- psalm shorthand for God's works of creation and his instruction and teaching to humanity. All good things to sing God's praises about. We are made to be in right relationship with God, loving him with all that we are. And singing his praises is a way for us to bring all that we are to stop and look around once in a while at all that he is and glorify him for it. It's to bring into the here and now a glimpse of our eternal, gloriously perfect future. This is why we sing together. Frankly, it's quite a weird thing to do now. I don't know where else in society um, people get together and sing. Maybe except for the purpose of singing itself or at proper football, not AFL, it's soccer, they sing together. But this psalm tells us it's a good thing to do. So sing. Sing to encourage one another. Even if, like me, you're a terrible singer. The communal act of us all singing God's praises, literally all singing from the same hymn sheet, that's being obedient to God. It's expressing the truth about God. 
It's glorifying God. It is good to praise the Lord. So that's our first point. Our second point now, this, about, this is a true song, looking at verses 6 to 11. Because it's like someone's, it's almost as if someone says to the songwriter of this psalm, well, that's all very nice, but you've not had the week I've had. How am I supposed to sing God's praises when everything is going so terribly wrong? Nobody in my life cares about God. In fact, they're all pretty pleased with themselves because the worse they are, the better off they seem to be. The more wrong they do, the further from God they are, the more they seem to flourish. How can I sing praises faced with that reality? And it would be an understandable objection, wouldn't it? In a world where a man purposely drives a truck through crowds of people on Bastille Day, killing 10 children, injuring 50, and that's before he starts counting adults, evil certainly seems to be flourishing. The psalmist has anticipated such an objection. So from verse 6, senseless people do not know, fools do not understand, that though the wicked spring up like grass and all evildoers flourish, they will be destroyed forever. The great thing about this psalm is that it doesn't dodge the realities of life. It doesn't pretend that everything in the here and now is okay. So singing God's praises is not a psychological crutch, not the, the equivalent of going la, 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 and pretending nothing bad is happening uh, or to help us forget our troubles. This psalm would originally have been used in, in temple worship and in synagogues. It, it brings the problem that good things seem to happen to bad people right into the middle of the service. But rather than denying the problem, this psalm deals with it. Deals with it by exposing the temporary nature of the flourishing of evil, by lifting the lid on how things really are. It gives us the right lyrics to be singing. So I wonder, have you ever got to know a song, but you've kind of got to know it wrong? And for years, you found out that for years you've been singing the wrong lyrics to it? Um, my fi last favourite thing here, this is one of my favourite comedians, he says it in a much better way than I could, I think. Should you hear that? You know that song, We Are Family? For years I thought they were singing, Just Let Me Staple the Vicar. Right? Who's right and who's wrong here? Listen. All of the people around us, they say, can they be that close? Just let me stay for the record. Apparently, according to Michael, your burgers are the best. I can hear you believe the hot dogs go on. Easily done, isn't it? He's called Peter Kay, great comedian. Where am I going with this? When we reject God, when we deliberately go against his ways, it's because 
deep down, we think we know better. We think our lyrics are better. We mishear the lyrics of things going well, doing all right, um, things springing up and flourishing. And we think we're better off with ourselves in the driving seat than God. You can end up singing the wrong lyrics. We become, verse 6, senseless or spiritually dull. But what seems to be thriving is actually only temporary and will be destroyed whilst, verse, whilst God, in verse 8, God will be exalted forever. Forever. Um, this is a psalm. So, you know, a bit of poetry class again. It's possible to read this psalm inside out, if you like. So if you look at verse 8 as the middle, um, think of it as a stone going into a pond, and you see the ripples coming out. So verse 8 is the middle. That's the center, the ultimate truth. God is exalted forever. And it's sandwiched between, if you just look on the page in your Bible, that the truth about those apparently flourishing enemies of God, they will be, verse 7, forever destroyed. And verse 9, they will perish and be scattered. And verse 7 again, it looks like the wicked and evil spring up and flourish. But verse 10, it's those praising God who will be made strong and be blessed. And that's what the, the, the horn and the being anointed with oil means. And while the senseless in verse 6, they mishear the lyrics those, those singing God's praises in verse 11 have the eternal perspective of the defeat of evil. So yes, life is hard. Yes, living for God will make things harder. Yes, there will be times when those who are against God or, or even just living life without reference to him will seem better off. It will often seem like evil is winning. But the truth is, evil is a one-hit wonder, whilst God's praise will go on forever. So keep coming back to the Psalms, keep coming back to the rest of the Bible to see how things really are, to get God's true perspective on life and learn the right lyrics. So... We've seen it's good to praise the Lord, good for us and good because it's in harmony with reality. We've seen how music and song help us to do that with all that we are. And we've seen that God is exalted forever, whilst evil will be forever destroyed. And so to our last point, the last part of the psalm, verses 12 to 15, a simple song. The simple truth is, the way to flourish in life is to stay rooted in the simple truth that God is good. The way to flourish in life is to stay rooted in the simple truth that God is good. Have a look with me, verse 12. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. The psalmist is talking about the, the strongest, most productive trees you can think of. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. So that's kind of house of the Lord, courts, temple language. So in other words, the righteous will flourish being near to God, praising him, following his ways. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. 
It's the righteous who will flourish, who will be fruitful, not the wicked. It brings to mind the very first Psalm, Psalm 1. Um, if you've got time this week, read Psalms 1 and 2. It kind of sums up the whole of the Psalms. Good thing to do. But here, the first three verses of, first of Psalm 1 says this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners sit take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the lord and who meditates on his law day and night that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither whatever they do prospers the trouble is though that word in verse 12 of psalm 92 righteous i mean which of us can describe ourselves as righteous uh, all of us all of us have perhaps even this week walked in step with the wicked and we often fail to delight in the law or, or god's teachings uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god it says in romans and in one john if we claim to be without sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Well, given that, how can we flourish? Because, verse 15, God is good. The Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. Events like we've seen in Nice this week can make us question how can God allow such terrible things to happen? And the question behind that question is, is God really good? And this psalm tells us, yes. Yes, he is. God is upright. That is perfectly straight down the line, uh, honest, absolutely morally good. There is no wickedness in him. Whatever reason those events in Nice were allowed to happen, it's not because God's got a dark side. And whilst evil may occur, God can never be said to be evil. Evil is the opposite of who God is. And that's part of what we proclaim. And we've seen this week that people can do unspeakable things because they think they're doing the right thing for their God that their eternity will show them up to having, been, having done the right thing. But they never were the right thing to do, and they never will be. God is unchanging. These are not God's ways. God is good. And God's shown his goodness to us most clearly in Jesus. 1 John 3.16, it's on the same screen. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. This good God is our rock, our firm foundation from which to sing his praises. Through Jesus, God has made the way for us to be counted as righteous. From 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate, advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. 
He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. And the result of this, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. This is the truth we are to remain rooted in. This is the truth we sing about. That in Jesus, God has shown his goodness. We get Jesus' righteousness. He's done all that's needed to make us part of his family, freeing us up to sing his praises. So finally, just in case we've missed it, another good thing to do with Psalms is have a look at the first verse and the last verse, because often that will tell you the main point of the psalm. So verse 1 of Psalm 92, it's good to praise the Lord. And what should we say in praise? Sing in praise. Verse 15. The Lord is upright. He is my rock. And there is no wickedness in him. Life moves pretty fast. So do regularly, as God built into creation, stop and look around once in a while. And what's the way, best way to do that? Praise the Lord. It is good to praise the Lord. Good for us and good because we're sing he's singing the truth. It is good to praise the Lord because he is exalted forever. Whilst the wicked and evildoers will not flourish but be destroyed forever. It is good to praise the Lord because he is good. Amen. We've got a chance to respond in sharing communion together in a moment. I'm 